ladies and gentlemen, we're live at the booth. But something's different this week about the booth. Let's see who's here. It's me, Davey O'Doyle. I'm here. Who do you got, Rich? Rich, are you here? I'm here. Check. Rich is here for the NFL podcast this week, but someone's not here. Carve isn't here. And hey, you know what? That's all right. But as we've alluded to many times on the show, there's a little section of, uh, of friends of ours, a dear group of friends who ride with the Bronco Nation, Denver Bronco elites. And we have one of them here today on the booth. Here we are. We're here live in the flesh with Carter. Carter, how does it feel to be on the booth? Oh, exhilarating. I haven't missed an episode. Huge fan of the show. Um, just excited to fill in for your fearless leader. Um, I'll do my best. No, that's all we can ask you is to do your best. And, uh, well, <laughs> all of us watched a hell of a weekend of football last weekend, including all four of the divisional round games that came down to the last play of the game, last second scores. And we're going to start off here already with our first games and a reminder you don't know where you don't know when studs and duds they'll come at you hot and heavy when you least expect it uh, probably except for mine but we'll start anyways with the first game on saturday the saturday afternoon game cincinnati Bengals at tennessee titans baby how we feeling uh it's one of those things dude where you get the you get the first playoff win out of the way the first one of my life and, you know, you, you feel almost – you feel invincible to a point. And I, I liked the matchup of coming in to playing playing the Titans. <laughs> I didn't think nine sacks was going to be something I had to talk about. But I liked the matchup. I like having Tannehill on the other end because I thought, hey, he's going to throw us a pick. <laughs> First play of the game, he throws one to Jesse Bates. He throws three by the end of the game. Bengals walk-off winner. Uh, whew, first ever – playoff road win for the Bengals this team is something special man this is a real team but man that game who heart palpitations during that game um like I said Tanhill threw that first pick right at the start of the game and right away you know what I, it, the, the Bengals could move the ball but it was Jeffrey Simmons Danico Autry it was that defensive line and they were coming hot and heavy nine sacks throughout the game at on Joe Burrow but if I'm gonna talk about the Bengals we have to talk about that defense which played unbelievable that's the unit that won us the game yeah I didn't really watch the game that close but what did Derrick Henry end up getting yeah so like, he gets 61 or something Derrick Henry that was the whole story was the return of the king King Henry's back King Henry's back well King Henry had 20 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown he had a 3.1 yard average right you're happy with that yeah. And, and that's the thing about that game is like, I'm, I don't know if you're Tennessee, how you're not swinging at air right now. When Deontay Foreman came in that game, he had like four carries for over 60 yards. Like he was shredding us. Oh, and there. Mike Vrabel just, Hey, it's Derrick Henry's back Derrick Henry. And let's be honest about that. It's tough to be off that many games with a plate in your foot, a like metal in your shoe to come back and try to be the same guy. But DJ Reader up front had was all over Derrick Henry, blowing up gaps, three tackles for loss all over the field, opening spots for those linebackers. And man, we the, the Bengals defense ran that to perfection, man. They shut him down. Joe Burrow <laughs> sacked nine times, but over 340 yards of, in, in the air still. Another hundred yard game receiving by Jamar Chase. And I it's <laughs> it's something to see, man. It's something I've never had as a Bengals fan. And it was, it was unbelievable. Well, it's like the numbers are one thing, but you take any first overall quarterback or any quarterback who goes in the playoffs, they're always like, okay, this is the first time he's seen it. How is he going to do? Well, now he's won two. Like you take any quarterback that's rare, let alone, like it doesn't seem to phase him. He seems to play better in the playoffs. Right. We saw it the other day, the stat come out that he is the first quarterback to be taken first overall and appear in the conference championship in his first two seasons. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the thing about this Bengals team is like, 
in the past where these where the teams would choke away the game or the biggest play, the biggest moment, it wouldn't be made, right? Whether it's Andy Dalton, whether it's penalties, whether it's whatever. And this team just has the clutch factor that you need to be a championship team. And that's going to bring me to my stud this week, actually. I would love to give it to the defense. I would love to give it to Burrow or Chase, but it's not. It's rookie kicker, fifth-round pick, Evan McPherson. The guy was four for four in field goals, one for one of extra points, but long the long of 54 yards and a 52-yard game winner. That's ice in your veins to be at an opposing player, an opposing team stadium and kick two 50-yarders, including the game winner. And did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said before? Yeah, he was yeah. swinging his warm, warm up his leg, talks to the backup QB, Brandon Allen, looks like we're in the AFC title game, and a 52-yarder to send the Bengals there. Unbelievable, dude. I can't believe some of these guys are on my team. You know how they say, like, the personality or leader rubs off on your team? Absolutely. You don't have to look any further than the Bengals. Like, Burrow's, like, the swaggiest dude in the league. Hey, and he backs everything up. And when your rookie kicker comes in, he's like, we're going to the AFC title game. And it wasn't a gimme. It was like 54 yards or 54 what was yards, it? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you've seen, you've seen a lot of good kickers under pressure missed from 50 plus. Yeah. Not Evan McPherson, man. That's Rich. unbelievable. Rich, <laughs> we, as a Viking fan, you've probably seen him miss from closer than 50. But <laughs> you just don't have to look farther than Blair Walsh for that one. So uh i personally i don't like when games come down to a field goal but as a fan of any other team it's got to be fun (laughs) i want to talk about the nine sacks quick because like i didn't watch it but were you guys being like out schemed or were you just guys just flat out being beat um so i saw people broke it down a couple of guys on twitter who are like big film junkies of the Bengals, right so a couple of the sacks were joe just trying to make something happen try to evade the pocket like he's really good at a couple of them were on him um and then there's i say almost all of them to a point were miscommunication right because the titans have been known to be such a strong stunt team they're so good at their stunts up front they're so good at bringing different looks is that it was just miscommunication i'd say for most of them just a, i don't want to pick on guys but like our right guard, Adanaji specifically, was just like missing his assignment, right? That was more what it was, just bad, bad communication more than anything. It wasn't quite as like, oh, we were getting dominated. Like not saying that Jeffrey Simmons didn't just push some guys around because he did, but it was more miscommunication for those like nine sacks. When you have to think like how deflating is it for the Titans? Like coming into that week, like, you know, everyone was saying that if if Tennessee can get home, if they can beat that line, like they have a good chance. And Titans have a good pass rush. Like Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry are dogs. Bud, Bud Dupree's been playing good ball. And then you sack a quarterback nine times, you'd think you'd rattle a little bit. No. Like, Unfazed. That's crazy. I think it, it's – you have to be, like I said, punching at air again if you're a Titans fan because you saw A.J. Brown go out there and put up 160 yards receiving on the Bengals, and they continued to pound the rock, run the ball. I understand that's their strength. But when you have Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, and hey, Ryan Tannehill has played good football there. He has. I'll give him that. But he's not an elite quarterback. He isn't. And to give our defense three interceptions, including the one at the end that popped up in the air that gave us the shot to get the ball back before we got in field goal range, right? It's just, it has to be deflating. But I'm not a Titans fan, so I don't care. So that's just how that goes. To talk about the Titans a little bit, I do want to ask you guys one question. Should the Titans start to look for a different quarterback other than Ryan Tannehill? Yes. I think you think probably you should. I think every team, if you don't have an elite quarterback, should start looking. But it's just the thing of who's available, what do we need to give up to to get them, and that kind of thing, right? The the market and the price to get one is is the problem that every team is facing right now, right? Yeah. I'm a big believer – that the NFL is going in a direction that if you have a game manager or not like a stud at the helm, you're never going to win. You might be an okay team. You might make the playoffs, but you're not going to win. Like if you look at the four teams that are playing this weekend, except for one that we'll get to, that shouldn't be there. They all have stud quarterbacks. Josh Allen 
was an ultra stud. The only reason he didn't make it to the AFC title game is because he went against Mahomes, who's playing out of his gourd. Like, Tannehill's a good B-plus quarterback. I think he's a step up of a, of a game manager, but he's not going to take a team to a championship. And that roster is able to get really expensive really quick. They're already pretty expensive. Like, I think they, got, they have gotten as far as Ryan Tannehill could get them. And I like Ryan Tannehill. But, I mean, that's that's just it, right? Are right, we ready to move on to the next game here? We can talk a little bit more about, hey, maybe not the best quarterback. Usually the best quarterback wins, but maybe not always. Uh, the second game on Saturday night, the 49ers beat the number one seed Packers in Lambeau Field 13-10. to 10. Um, It's uh, it's unbelievable. So happy. <laughs> I mean, it's wild to see that Packers team that, Really, this year looked like, in my eyes and a lot of people's eyes, probably the best overall roster that they've had. They've been close a lot of times with Aaron Rodgers, but this looked like probably the best roster that they had. If you talk about in the run game, up front on the two lines, in the secondary as well, a really good linebacker anchoring it down in the middle. But (laughs) the one unit that they don't have, special teams, and it costs them big. Oh, the Packers had... The Niners were right where they wanted them. They, they had a home playoff game. They had a bye. Their quarterback was healthy. Their studs like Jair Alexander. I don't think uh, – I'm going to butcher his name. David Bakhtiari. He didn't play, I don't think. He didn't play. But, like, the whole thing was that, oh, they're good, but they're getting better. And it started snowing, so you'd think the guys from Wisconsin would have an advantage over the fucking San Francisco 49ers. <sighs> Can I just keep rolling with this? Because – I got beef with this team. Yeah, go for it. Lay down your beef if you got it. it done, this is done. a podcast that is not shy about beef towards San Francisco. Yeah, hey, let's, let's be honest. Hey, Niners, except for one of you, you guys played a hell of a ball game. All right, that line, Jimmy, all the time in the world, his receivers made plays. Kittle, he had one terrible drop. But other than that, the guy was a freak. He was blocking like crazy all over the place. The defense was... You, you kept Aaron Rodgers to three points after the first drive of the game. Like, if you look at the scoring summary, it's seven in the first, which is the first drive, and then zero, zero, three. Like, you hold Aaron Rodgers to 10 points. They're my stud. The 49ers, I'm going defense, but it could be everybody on that team except for one man in particular who I don't think enjoys football because he tried to lose that football game. So, not only did this Niners team beat Aaron Rodgers in his home barn, but they had to beat their own quarterback too. My dud is Jimmy Garoppolo. He went 11 for 19, 131 and a pick. And I think those numbers are even a little skewed because going to the fourth, he had six completions. And it wasn't like the, it wasn't like they were running the ball over the place I have here. So Eli Mitchell, who I think will be a good back in the league. He had 17 carries. He averaged about three yards a carry. And Debo, who they used all over the place, he had 10 carries and average just under force. Like, not terrible, but not, you know, Raheem Mostert running for 200 in the NFC championship game or something. Right. Yeah. I just, I think the Niners are so loaded and they're playing so good that if you put a legitimate quarterback on that team, like, you know, the way that Rams went out and got Stafford, you know, um, you know, any of the top tier guys, I think the Niners are always in that conversation with like the Bucks, um, the who else is the Packers. Like, I just don't think they're a team that gets hot at playoffs. I think they're a top tier team if they have anybody but that fucking stick with legs at the helm. He's terrible. All he can run is all he can throw is a two yard slant to Kittle. And I think any one of us could throw a ball to Kittle and look pretty good. I think that a lot of that for the 49ers is that team comes down a lot to coaching. It has to, because you don't have a good quarterback, right? The way that Shanahan can run those schemes to, to make even Debo Samuel as freakish as he is, but a really good back, a rookie, like you said, Elijah Mitchell is a rookie and he's playing great football right now. You hit Kittle, you hit Debo whenever you need them, right? That goes, you have talented players around Jimmy, but that goes to coaching how good that team is and how sound that defense is, right? They're getting a lot of pressure up front. Bosa, Armstead, you name it, Fred Warner, all the way down, right? The secondary is a little bit weak at points, but it didn't play weak in this game. 
So you have to give them some credit for coaching and that's enough to get them to the NFC title game this year, right? That's just the way it is. Whether they're actually the fourth best team in football, who knows, but they're going. Oh, yeah. Like I said, like, I still think Trent Williams is, he's the best left tackle in football right now. Yeah. Uh, we consider Fred Warner to be one of the best linebackers in the game. I still don't think he's talked about enough. The guy's a freak in the middle. Like he, he'll cover slot receivers and yep. do a pretty good job of it. Like he, I just, Jimmy doesn't deserve what he has there. He needs to be taken to the field. I mean, I guess that's why they went so hard this year in the draft, right, to move up to get a quarterback, the guy that they think will be their their stud in the future, right? And if he's anywhere near the level of the guys we've been talking about, the top tier of these NFL guys, the 49ers have a lot of potential to be a really scary team. It's just right now they're going to ride out Jimmy Garoppolo, right? And for better or for worse, they're going to have to live without goes. But I'm going to throw... Gonna talk about, oh, I'm going to throw a wild Jimmy Garoppolo stat at you. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers is nine and two in games where he doesn't throw a touchdown. Okay. Yeah. He has, he has that, that weird, like it's, it's not totally the same because I understand what I'm trying to say, but he has that same thing that Baker Mayfield has with the Browns. Whereas the less you put the game in his hands, the yep. better your team will do. As long as you can make three timely throws in a game for those two teams, those two quarterbacks, you will win games. And the more that you give this guy the chance to throw the ball, the worse your odds are. And like I said, Stefanski has figured it out besides that back end of the season, but I think he did that on purpose. And you can see that Shanahan has figured this out. He figured that out in the playoff run two years ago. When they made it to the Super Bowl, we don't need to put this game on Jimmy's shoulders. We need him just to be good enough. And the awful styling he had this week in the divisional round was good enough because his team is so good. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, I think the stats are even skewed. Like, some of his receivers are making unbelievable catches. Like, there's that one that Kittle had along the sideline, which he put the ball in a good spot, but you could knock off another 20 of those yards. Like, I just... I think he's going to get eaten alive in Los Angeles, but Rich, what do you think about? Oh, for this game here, I have one more point I need to make. Two more points, I guess, but my dud is in this game. I'm going to, I want to dud the special teams, but it's not quite, they deserve it, but I'm going to dud Aaron Rodgers specifically because when you look at the off season, Aaron Rodgers had, all his whining and complaining and all of the COVID stuff and just being a complete nightmare. He came in with the best team and talked about how fun this year has been, how great it's been all year long. And then when it comes down to this playoff game, he completely just played the most conservative safe game he could find. He threw it only to Devonte Adams and basically only to Aaron Jones in that second half. If one person had a fumble, like their tight end did had one fumble or if someone had a drop, you know what I mean? He only found Lazard, like, for one catch that whole game. You have to trust your players. You can't play tight. This is only the divisional round. If you have Super Bowl aspirations, you can't be folding right here. And for a guy who is as elite as Aaron Rodgers, he is elite, absolutely. But you need to have a better a better game. You need to use the most of your offense, and I don't feel like he did that, so I'm going to give him a dud. But, I mean, the true dud of that team, truthfully, should be that special teams unit that lost them the game, whether it's the blocked field goal at the end of the first half and then that that punt block that the 49ers returned for a touchdown, right? Those two play, those two games were 10-point swings either way, essentially, and they lost the game by three, right? So the special teams let them down, and now they're at home watching the games next weekend. So – do you guys believe we've seen the last of Aaron Rodgers as a Packer? I fucking hope so. Bring him <laughs> home. Bring him home. All right. So this is a trend you're going to get used to. Is If you ever hear Carter on this podcast, when he says bring him home, no matter where the player's from, home is Denver. All right? Just so everybody knows. Home is Denver. Mile high is home. But um, talking about the Packers, I initially my opinion of it was you'd be crazy if you're Aaron Rodgers to leave. The Packers develop offensive linemen. They have a great coach. They're a well-run organization. But it's that weird thing where you just can't get over the hump there. And you almost wonder if this is the year that 
the team that they've built with all of their good players all over, it just kind of disintegrates, right? Everybody decides, Hey, green Bay, isn't the place I can win. And they disband. You don't know that. Um, I don't know if Aaron can get out. Like you said, he probably can, but he's not a free agent next season, right? He's well, still under contract. But he's, he's if been. They if they don't franchise tag him or whatever, then how is he going to get out unless a really juicy trade comes up? I, I believe they're giving him his power to, to find another option. That was part of his restructured contract and him actually coming to play this season was that he has the power to do what he wants this offseason. So he can look at it. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, we might have seen it then. It's just, I think he's just threatening retirement to like, just because he wants some of the attention, right? I think he's going to go to a team that's a, that is a quarterback away or a team that is a contender. And Green Bay has enough respect for him that they're not going to try to force a trade for to some, some like shittier team. And he'll just retire if that happens, right? He has, he's shown that he's perfectly fine with that. But it's, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see and then to see where, wherever he lands, if that swings Devontae Adams to go to, right? He did come out and say he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. Right. Um, so that kind of limits the options that the Packers have, right? Because I'm sure a team like, I'm just going to use Houston because we don't know what's happening with their quarterback <coughs> prison. But like they would trade the fall. I mean, they don't have anything to trade. Yeah. They're a bad example. Uh, shitty team, the Giants, they would trade the farm. Yeah. But the Giants, in my opinion, are the worst team in football. Um, like he, he wants to go to – I'm trying to think of teams that aren't me. So I don't sound so – there's, there's teams like New Orleans, Denver. Yeah. Right? Team like, I don't know, Seattle. I don't know if Seattle is the right choice, but places that need a quarterback, the Steelers, right, who are – good teams that need a quarterback those are places that he's gonna eye right so i guess we'll just have to sit and see about that but uh we move on here into the sunday the sunday uh slate of games here the first game where the los angeles rams heading in to tampa bay to play tom brady and the super bowl champ bucks at home that game ended 30 to 27 the rams way and for what looked like it wasn't the game until the fourth quarter it quickly became a game. We saw a lot of turnovers, a lot of fumbles, a big swing of momentum. And it looked like Tom was going to bring them all the way back. They had him at 27, 27. And then big balls, boy, Matt Stafford gets to the line and he, he sees the blitz, the full blitz coming at him, hits Cooper cup deep for a game of like 70 or something gets down, clocks the ball. Matt Gay finishes it off for the 30 to 27 win. I couldn't believe what happened here. That was vintage Tom Brady. Is that the greatest game you've ever watched? Honestly, no, because I think the game that came after that might have been the greatest game I've ever watched. Very, very good point. <laughs> it wasn't the greatest game I've ever watched because it wasn't a game until the fourth quarter. It was maybe the most wildly exciting fourth quarter that there's been in a long time, but it wasn't a game until the fourth quarter – and then that defense and Tom Brady, as he's done so many times before, just decided, hey, I'm not going to lose right now, and took him all the way back. Like, first of all, hats off to Cooper Cup, because that man's a freak. And I, I told you guys before, like, if they included um, playoff performances in MVP voting, which I understand they can't, yeah. in my opinion, I think Cooper Cup was the best player in football this season. But... Oh, Brady made the comeback. Yeah. Like he was down, it was 27 to three because they didn't make it 28 to three. And he tied it up in the fourth quarter. Like people are saying, oh, Brady didn't finish it. No, no. Brady did his job. If he would have started five minutes earlier, they probably win that game. Like whether Brady retires tomorrow or if he plays another season, I, I don't understand how anybody can dispute him as the GOAT. But, hey, hats off to the Rams. They went into Tampa Bay against the, you know, the Kings. And they took down the goal. Like, and they deserved it, too. That whole that defense, they gave up 27, but they played a damn good game, too. I think that's the interesting point about the Rams, especially this year, is 
we're so far removed from like the Rams fan base and Los Angeles in general, but the pressure has to be on there. The Super Bowl is at SoFi. This team has traded all, all of their picks to get Stafford, to get OBJ, to get Vaughn Miller, to get a team to win now. And they were seconds away. They were one big throw and clocking the ball away from losing that game. I said, or going to overtime, I guess, anyways. But this, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure on that team. And to see the guys that you traded for come in clutch like that, right? Stafford in the biggest moments. Vaughn Miller off the edge looked like playoff Vaughn again, right? This this is the fruition of everything that Sean McVay has worked for. And it's scary to see it almost go down, but you have to give credit where it's due. This team is on the verge of making a run if they can defeat their one division rival, their one game away, right? Yep. That was Stafford's 43rd game-winning drive of his yep. career. So that, that's the most of anyone since he came into the league in 09. Right. That dude is, he's maybe the most clutch player in the league. I mean, he's, he's up there. Yeah. And there'd be debates for other guys, but he's definitely in that conversation. Just watching over his career, just the way he handles those drives where you got to get up, you got to clock it, you just got to go. Even I, I think back to when he was in Detroit, when he, busted his shoulder and there was a timeout taken by, I can't remember who they were playing, but with a busted shoulder, he came in to win the game. Like just crazy. If you haven't watched that clip, go watch it. Cause it is electric. It's amazing. Yeah. Cause it's dislocated. He goes, I'll throw it. If you need me to throw it, he yeah. goes in wins it, and then he just walks up the field. It's out. It's out. Yeah. And then that leads us to the last game of the weekend, Sunday night football. The number three Buffalo Bills off of just destroying Bill Belichick come into Arrowhead Stadium and pull off a 42 to 36 overtime win. At home, the Chiefs won in what was the most bonkers finish to a game that I, I think I've ever seen in the history of football. That was pure insanity and just so fun to watch. Four lead changes in the last two minutes. Incredible. Like, I saw one tweet, and it was, Allen and Mahomes might be the next Brady and Manning. Yeah. Is there any argument as to why they aren't? No. I know and Lamar and Herbert and like there's other studs in the AFC but those two always seem to meet in a big playoff game and it's always a great game to watch so this is the first time in history that in a playoff game both QBs have 300 yards 300 plus yards three plus touchdowns zero interception and 60 plus rush yards both of them had that. Both of them led their teams in rushing as well. Like, <laughs> neither team could stop the pass. So it no. didn't matter. <laughs> These... I mean, a shout out to Gabriel Davis. Yep. And with that, I will give Gabriel Davis my stud. Uh, Gabriel Davis, eight receptions. 201 yards and four touchdowns out of nowhere. Here comes Gabriel Davis to be, you know what? I'll go, I'll go try and get us to the next round. I'll go try and get us to the AFC championship. He's not even their number two. <laughs> like if you would ask me before, what team does Gabriel Davis play on? I couldn't have told you. And then he comes and 200 yards on only eight catches. It's like, it's 25 yards a pop. Like it, he was beating them over top all day long. He had a, he played a great game. This is probably going to forever be known as like the Gabriel Davis game. Maybe he comes off and he's a good receiver for the rest of his career. But like, this is just the most unbelievable stat line against right. The AFC, the, the line in the sand is you always have to beat chiefs. They're the yeah. gold standard. And you come out and you put up two four touchdowns and 200 yards against them in a playoff game. Hey man, that's that's the Gabriel Davis game from now on. If you're a Bills fan, right? That's unbelievable. 
I mean, I guess if you're a Chief fan, it's the 13-second game from now on as well. Does anybody remember, like, the, the chronological order of events in that last two minutes? So I, th- I think I have it here. So you have scoring play Josh Allen deep left to Gabriel Davis, 27 yards, touchdown. After that, you have uh, Patrick Mahomes pass to Tyreek Hill. That's when he took it to just across the field, wherever he needed to go, outran everyone, 64 yards to the house, touchdown. He was the guy on the way to the end zone too. Yeah. The NFL players are all fast, okay? Tyreek isn't he? I don't even know what you can call him as fast. It's a it's a different speed. It's a different gear. Like it, he he just runs by people like they're not even there. Then we have what we thought was the game winning drive from Josh Allen. Uh, caps it off with a deep pass to the middle to Gabriel Davis for 19 yards touchdown. 13 seconds left. Then you have 13 seconds left on the clock. Which hey Buffalo, perfect drive. You yeah. left. What we all thought was no time. You did good. So here's what I will knock Buffalo for. The kickoff with 13 seconds left. Why did you kick that into the end zone? Totally agree. You should kick that to the, to the, you want to get it, kick it to the five, but you're probably going to end up more around the 10, but don't kick it into the end zone. Kick it short. Don't squib it. Then you're going to give them great field position. But what's going to happen if you kick it short is either you're going to have a guy return it and they're going to wind time off the clock or he's going to call a fair catch and then they have the ball in the 10. But it was a touchback. Ball goes to 25 and with 13 seconds left. Patrick Mahomes drives him down the field in three plays to set up for the Harrison Butker game-tying field goal from 49 yards out. With 13 seconds left. With 13 seconds. They had, had timeouts, but in 13 seconds, they went from the 25 to field goal range in three plays in thir- yeah. with 13 seconds on the clock. And yeah. then the rest is, is history as much as everybody wants to make it out now, talking about the overtime, the rules now are in heavy debate, but coin toss, Chiefs win the toss. Yeah. And everybody knew. We all knew it. Josh Allen knew it. Everybody knew. When they lost the toss, the game was done. Yeah. The Bills and hadn't stopped the Chiefs, and they were going to stop the Chiefs. Drive it down, finish it with the fade to Travis Kelsey, game over. Yeah. I am going to change up my dud. I was going to dud originally Patrick Mahomes' family. They just annoy <laughs> me. His wife showering champagne from her executive suite over all the fans who now have to sit in a car for an hour and drive home smelling like sticky champagne also was- on another note with that the state police in in missouri said yes that was an instance where if they got pulled over somebody who got champagne showered on them yeah got pulled over uh that would be enough consent to do a field sobriety test and possibly a dui Girl. So and that's Jackson it. Holmes is also a dink for, and he's season. just the most annoying person I've ever seen, yeah, Jackson right. Mahomes. But oh. yeah, but but anyways, besides but stuff, beside no. that, my dud is actually going to go to the NFL overtime rules. I hate NFL overtime. It is so bad. Give both teams a chance. That it's as simple as that. Hey, we can. Everybody's come up with these spot and choose and different ways of doing overtime. The simplest way to do it, just say it's not sudden death. If yeah. you score, the other team still gets a chance. Especially, but, I mean, <laughs> but to be devil's advocate here, though, there's games like this where they both just score touchdowns full time. Yeah. Then what's then they're going to play for what an extra hour? You know what I mean? And they so one of these teams has to play next. Yeah, year, and that's just the reality of it. There's going to be more injuries. Yeah. I don't, I agree that it's a flawed rule that hey, one touchdown finish, finishes the game because you saw Josh Allen have an unbelievable playoff run and didn't even get to touch the ball before he lost the game. I get that that's a mistake, yeah. but you have to consider player safety still. Yeah. I don't know what the best way to do it is but you have to consider this, right? I honestly think a good way of doing it is the way that the NCAA has gone in college football. And so you play three overtime periods normal 
once you get past, or I think it's in the third overtime period, you play two normal. Once you get to that third, you just go for two point converts back to back. You line up on the two yard line and each team has to try to go for two point converts. So you shrink the playbook a ton and somebody's going to miss, somebody's going to miss one of them. So, and then it'll end, but at least both teams get a shot. I like yeah, that. So there's, I don't know. I don't know if there's any perfect way to go about it, but it was nope. a shame to see Josh Allen with the kind of game that he played and the kind of run that he's been on to not even get a chance. Right. That's yeah. unfortunate. It, it just surprises me that it's still this way. Cause I mean, like the NFL, not everyone's going to agree with a rule. I mean, it took us how many years to figure out what a catch was and we still don't really know, but I mean, this overtime bullshit's been happening for years and it seems every playoffs this happens because I think of the nine playoff games that have gone to overtime, eight of them have been won by the team that won the coin flip. Yeah. So you think with how big of a company the NFL is and how much they adjust rules to get viewers, like why would you not? I, I'm just surprised that the rule hasn't been changed already. And I don't care if that's the way it's always been. Make it better because, yeah, the Chiefs offense was great and the Bills defense played terribly, but they're good defense. Um, the Bills offense is so good and the Chiefs defense has been volatile for a lot of the season like I think that should have definitely played a factor in the end result and I didn't really care who won that game to be honest I mean I Bronco fans I'd like to see the Chiefs lose but I mean Josh Allen played so good that they deserve to win so I don't really have a dog in the fight I just think it was it's a bad rule and right that's that's something that they're gonna have to look at which is fair but like I said, even Josh Allen came out and said it. If we won the toss, we would have scored and we would have been celebrating too, right? That's oh. the reality of this game, and that's just how it has to be for now, right? And the reason it's such a big deal, too, is because it's Mahomes, yeah. right? If it had been anybody but Mahomes, there wouldn't be as much bitching. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they're the gold standard, right? They're the golden goose. Mahomes is the golden goose. The Chiefs are the golden goose right now. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's just how it is, right? It's the same thing the Patriots were five years ago for the last 10 years it's how it goes Which but, the chiefs in overtime a few years ago three years ago or something so yeah same thing. but that wraps up the divisional round in what a lot of people are calling the best weekend of football that they've ever seen and honestly it's, it's hard to debate that because that was absolute lunacy that whole weekend every game was a good game yep there was, like they said, there was, there was good defense. You know, the, the Bengals, the 49ers, there was great offense. The entire, <laughs> the Brady run, the the Stafford comeback at the end, the 13 seconds, the Bills, everything, right? There's everything, game-winning kicks, whatever you needed, it was there. But now we're going to move on just to a little bit of news before we get to the AFC and NFC title games here. The big news coming since we've last spoke to you <laughs> is after more than 15 years, Sean Payton, has stepped down as the Saints head coach. He's gone. Right now, the front runner, people say he's Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator, but we let's not talk about front runners in that job, that this is the end of an era for the Saints. Sean Payton has been known to be an absolute offensive genius. Him and Breeze were running wild on the NFC for years. Breeze retired. This year wasn't the year that Payton would have loved to have, but He's worn out, he's tired, and he stepped down as coach. And, I mean, I think this really had to do with him. I think he has a really good TV job offer um, out there. And this Saints team, it's in a tough spot. It's going to be a long, hard road for them next year. They're $74 million over the cap for next season, so – if you're Sean Payton, you're looking at your retirement, you're looking at the way this team's shaping up, and you're looking at this TV deal staring you down. And I think I think for him, he probably made the best choice. I think he made the best choice, but I think a lot of this is how smart Sean Payton is, knowing the leverage he has. Because if a job comes up with an elite QB from now on, or in two years, three years' time, the next guy in the draft is coming. And he can see as he's so good, he'll be able to get any job, right? That's how it is. And right now he looks at the league. You see Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. You see Matt Stafford. You see these guys making it to high levels. Elite quarterback play has never been more important. 
and you have Jameis Winston, Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill. Those are your options. I, I, I don't blame you for not wanting to be there. Like, you see how the league's going. You're an offensive coach. Hey, I can't win with that. There's no chance I can win there. So, I mean, I don't blame him, right? When the next job offer comes up, I don't doubt he'll be back. I think he'll be back. But it's just going to be – it's going to be a juicy a juicy team with a good quarterback that brings him back. I think him retiring just cost Taysom Hill a job, to be honest. Because well, – Should he have had it to start with? Taysom Hill is not a good starting quarterback. I don't yeah. think anybody's going to debate that. Right. What Sean Payton uses him for – He's very effective, you know, a, a third down specialist, red zone type guy that you're paying $25 million to. Yeah. I think without Sean Payton, he just turns into a worse version of Cam Newton. Is that fair? He's yeah. not a starting quarterback anyways. Whatever your comparison for him is, he's not a starter, right? No. And I think with I think without Sean Payton knowing how to use him properly, I don't I don't think he's near the tool. I don't want to call him a weapon because they're not winning games because of Taysom Hill, but I call him a good tool. He's a, he's, yeah, he's a good, he's a good weapon. Right. Tool. Yeah. Better, better word. Yeah. He's a, good tool. Little Swiss army knife, you know, like he's, yeah, absolutely. Um, what he was used for, he's good, but I just don't know if, especially if a DC could figure out how to use him properly. And then, I mean, Trevor Simeon's, I don't want to call him terrible but he's not your future right. and Jameis maybe he flips it around, but he's not exactly young Jameis anymore. So I don't know the saints. I think the saints could look a lot different next year. Right. And I mean, right. And that's, that's how it's going to have to be. Um, so besides that, with the Sean Payton news, we'll get to a little bit of the other news out of the way. Um, so last, since we last saw you, uh, the Baltimore Ravens let go of defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. He's gone. And it's been reported today, I saw, they expect to hire Michigan's defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald. And Mike McDonald had previously worked for the Ravens from 2014 to 2020 with John Harbaugh before he went to BDC for Jim Harbaugh. He worked with the Ravens in a multiple defensive assistant, defensive position coach positions, and now expected to return and be the defensive coordinator makes complete sense. Right. And then the big GM hires that have happened three GM hires. So the giants after the, after Mara left, after all this or uh, Gettleman left, the Mara family has hired Joe. Was it Joe Sheen? Joe Shane. I don't know how you pronounce his name, but he was the assistant GM with the bills. And now he's there taking over the, for the, for in the office for the New York Giants, which has led to a lot of debate here that Bills OC Brian Dayball and DC Leslie Fraser are the, the front runners for the head coaching job with their familiarity with Joe, right? Um, in the other news, the Bears have hired their GM, Ryan Poles. He was formerly the executive, an executive in player personnel for the Chiefs. So strike one up for another one for the Andy Reid coaching tree that chief's legacy there he's to work now for the bears still have to see how the head coaching shakes out there and rich richest boys the vikings they finally got their guy Quesi adolfo mensa he was uh two years two year vice president of football operations with the browns a team that's really turned themselves around a lot in the last couple of years and now he's the guy uh, up front for the vikings here i think that's a good hire rich I like it. Uh, Ryan Poles was, I think, our number one pick, and the Bears kind of, I think, saw that and said, okay, we're just going to hire him. I don't think they were down their interview process, and they just hired him because I think they saw we were going to hire him. So uh, Adolfo Mensa is going to be a great GM, I think. Um, I think he's going to do good. I, I like that we went a little younger with GM. I think he's only 40 years old. I think having that freshness in there is what we need after having – uh, Rick Spielman around for 16 years with the organization. So um, something fresh, something young is, is good with me. Right. And I said, there's still a lot of head coaching jobs open, right? With the saints job included, there's nine, the saints, the giants, the Jags, the Raiders, the Broncos, the dolphins, the bears, the Vikings, and the Texans, right? All these jobs are open. Some of the front runners still for these jobs include 
Nathaniel Hackett, the Packers OC, Doug Peterson, free agent coach, Bienemy, the Chiefs OC, Dayball, like we mentioned, uh, Jim Harbaugh has been rumored to take the Raiders job, Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore, the coordinators from the Cowboys, Byron Leftwich of the Bucks. I mean, there's a lot of names thrown around, but those are the names you're hearing. And Brian Flores, of course, former Dolphins coach. Those are the front runners of the names you're hearing for these jobs, right? I think going back to the Vikings a little bit too with Adolfo Mensa was a big thing we did, what we liked about him when we hired him, and is, is he didn't have a, a, a coach attached to him. A lot of these guys, a lot of these GMs coming in have a guy they're like, I want this coach. So if you hire me, we're going to get this guy. He was like, I'll get in here and we'll have an open discussion about who we want as coach. Right. Carter, you hear anything on the Broncos front for, for coaching? We were three front runners. Like we've narrowed it down. Like we had like nine or 10 interviews. We're down to three there. Nathaniel Hackett, Dan Quinn, and um, I always blank on his name. His last name's O'Connell. He was the OC for the Rams. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know who you're talking about though. Yeah. OC of the Rams anyways. Of those three, my number one far and away is Hackett. Dan Quinn, I'm worried, is like a, a Todd Bowles type or great coordinator, not a great head coach, especially since we've already seen it. And uh, O'Connell, I wish I knew his name. I I don't know if he's done anything yet. I mean, he, he the Rams offense is good, but how much of that is Sean McVay? Right. And there's always that worry, right? Because, I mean, we thought the same thing in Cincinnati, right? Zach Taylor, very unproven, right? Like a quarterback coach for the Rams. Like, what is this guy going to bring? And it's turned out well for us, but you never know, right? Oh, yeah, maybe I'm saying this and then he ends up being a stud. Right. But I'm just kind of going off what I know. And the Packers offense is already – is always um, good. Right. Uh, But, but yeah, those those are the – the news, there's going to be a lot after the season's over, a lot of coach hires, a lot of draft talk, a lot of stuff. So uh, keep your ears, ears ears open here to the booth. We're going to update you on all that. And uh, it's time, guys. We're here. It's time to talk about the AFC and NFC championship games. And uh, I'm going to let you guys take, take a little bit of a lead before I get all of my opinions out. But we're going to start the AFC championship game. At, this is the 3 o'clock game. It's the Cincinnati Bengals going to Arrowhead to play the four, uh, the three-time, or I guess they've been in four straight, but the two-time AFC champ, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. How do, we, how do we see this one going? This one's fun. This was an amazing Week 17 game when we got it. Um, I'm really, really excited for this one. Um. Fun fact, Cincinnati has never lost in a conference championship game. Undefeated. I mean, two, knock two on wood. 2-0. Two two and and oh. yes. That's true. <laughs> never That's lost. That is true. Um, this is Arrowhead, though. This is going to be so loud. We saw videos coming out today of, of the Bengals practicing with just mass amounts of crowd noise. Uh, it's going to be – it's going to be interesting. I – just looking at the Chiefs a bit, this Chiefs team averages 33.2 points per game when Mahomes is in at quarterback this season. That is the highest of any quarterback in an offense in NFL history. So this is this team, we put on this podcast a lot of Bengals talk. This is 100% right now, a Bengals podcast. We are a Bengals podcast. We've admitted to it in the playoffs here. But this Chiefs team is good. Um, you look at Andy Reid. This is It's Andy Reid. He's been to four straight AFC championships. This is his second four-plus streak of going to AFC championships. Only time that's been done because he went to or two championships, not just AFC. He went to through 01 through 04 with the Eagles, he went to NFC championships. So he's the only coach in history to have two streaks of that many. So this matchup is amazing. Um, I'm very excited for it. Oh, I think, I mean, you could argue the Bills, but these are the Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs were easily the four, but three best teams in the AFC. Like they all deserve to be there. Um, 
I am going to go Chiefs. I hope the Bengals win, but you gave up nine sacks, and the Tennessee has a much better front than Kansas City. I don't think he'll give up nine sacks again, but I don't know. I think that would kind of screw with the psyche of not Burrow because it would have by now, but I think your line's going to come in a little bit rattled, and I feel like you guys are going to game plan like almost overcorrect to adjust for you know Chris Jones. Frank Clark, if he decides to play good, um, I think he has to score a lot of points, but I, I know Kansas City will score points. I actually have this one coming down to 33-30 in overtime. That's what I think a lot. Great. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out um, – it's hard. It's hard to watch the that divisional game and think, hey, the Bengals have to play one of these teams now. And that's the roadblock to get to the Super Bowl, right? It's tough to think that, but – I'm glad we're playing the Chiefs because we've seen the Chiefs. We know what we can do to the Chiefs. Um, both teams are going to change up what they've done a little bit because they've played each other already and they know, right? But the, the thing I come back to in this game is, is there going to be a little bit of letdown from the Chiefs? I know that they've done it game after game after game in the playoffs, but last week's game was like nothing we've ever seen. That was the ultimate adrenaline high. And it's one of those things where you, you just think maybe, maybe it might, they might come down a bit. Um, the first time these teams played Jamar chase at 266 receiving three touchdowns, Joe Burrow at over 400 yards. I don't expect that again, but if they are going to play Jamar chase with a bracket and they're going to cue on Jamar chase. Hey, if Gabriel Davis can put up 200, what can Uzama boy T Higgins, what can these guys do to them in the air? Right. And we know what the Chiefs are. The Chiefs want to blitz, and Burrow will eat you alive in the blitz, in the one-on-one matchups. They love to play aggressive at coverage. It draws pass interference, and we have big, good, skilled receivers, right? That's how this game is. I expect there'd be a lot of points, too, but I think then you, if you guys are, if you guys tell me that I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But I think the Chiefs have the worst defense left in, in, the, in the playoffs of the four. I think the Chiefs have the worst defense left. Oh, yeah. I think you're definitely right. I don't think it's very close. Yeah, so I'm going to trust my defense, who held Patrick Mahomes to three points in the second half last time we met, to make the one stop necessary. That's the way my mind goes. When I made my original bracket, I had the AFC going exactly how it's been so far, except I wanted, except I had the Chiefs beating the Bengals. Now that the time is here, the Bengals, they just feel, it feels too much like a team of destiny to me. I know the Chiefs have been here before, but how often do we actually see teams go to three straight Super Bowls? Besides that Bills team in the 90s, almost never. I just, I have to believe, I believe it. I feel it that this Bengals team is, is destined for something bigger. I have the Bengals winning this game 38-34. I like it. Um, just an update for everybody too. Uh, we do have carves picks for you. Sorry, did you say 38-34? Yeah. That is also carves score. Oh, um, okay, yeah, yeah. Carve has the Bengals 38-34 as well. Right. Um, for me, uh, yeah, this is two so very close teams. We saw it come down to a field goal in the regular season. I think we're going to see the same thing here, uh, and it's going to be the Bengals. I trust your defense against this Chiefs offense, though, I'm going to say 24-21. Like I said, man, I, I had a lot of faith we could beat the Raiders because we're a better team than the Raiders. I thought I liked just – I liked our what, – what kind of style of, of team we have playing Tennessee off off a of bye with Derrick Henry being so, so rusty. I thought we could win that game, and we did. I think we can win this game. We've proven that we can beat the Chiefs. But this one, it's it's so scary, right? Mahomes is scary. He's a scary man. That offense is scary. But I trust that we're going to put up points on that defense. And I I, I just feel like we're going to come out with it. But this one's going to be spicy. Okay. I got stuff going on up here. All right. Okay. I think you're bang on. And I do think that I, I want to change my pick. But I'm not going to. And here's why. I know enough about the show to understand the booth curse. And hey, hey, if I got to roll a cheese kingdom, 
so that you get to see your boys in the show. I'll take it and I'll go on one in, in, in my pick them and I'll never win a game. That's okay. <laughs> hey, I'm picking the Chiefs, but who day? Okay. Yeah, I, it's one of those things, man. Since he's came into this league, Joe Burrow, don't bet against them, right? Yeah. Everybody's bet against them. We have a complete underdog narrative against us, man. And Joe Burrow's made the meat shit every time. And I have to believe it's going to happen two more games. I just, it has to be. But then we move on after that to the Rams and the 49ers at SoFi Stadium in the NFC title game. The 49ers have beat the Rams six straight games, including sweeping them this year. How do we see the NFC title game going? This is an interesting one, too. Like you said, they, the Niners have won six straight against the Rams. Um I struggle with this one. Um, We've talked about Jimmy G. He's not a great quarterback, but the San Francisco team has proven they don't need him to be. They can get to 10 wins with him being a not good quarterback. They can make it to the NFC championship game with him being a not good quarterback. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Um, Last matchup of these two was, yeah, week 18. That was the play-in game for the 49ers trying to make the playoffs, and they take it 27-24 in overtime. The only time in his career that Sean McVay has been leading at halftime and lost a game. Um, I honestly start to lean a little bit to the 49ers on this one, but I'm going to wait to make my pick. I'm going Rams easy. Here's why. So you said they beat the Niners. Niners have beat the Saints six. Niners have beat the Rams six times in a row. Yeah. Okay. The Rams are so much different this year. Like, like, I don't mean that as they're just playing different. They're just a different group of guys than they have been in years past. And we've seen this before. When a team brings in free agents, Brings in a stud QB, loses, gets swept by a division rival, and then sees them again in the playoffs. Oh, oh, this was last year with the Bucks and the Saints. Yeah. And, you know, when, when the Rams went out and got Von Miller, went out and got OBJ, like, you know, it looked like this super team on paper, but they didn't really pan out until the playoffs. Like you guys said, playoff Vaughn is a wrecking crew. OBJ is a nice little piece there that, teams can't just put three guys in Cooper cup anymore because OBJ is playing really good football. Stafford's playing great. And I, this is how I see it going. If it's a close game in the fourth, I see the Rams winning. And by close game, I mean under seven points. If the Rams can go into the fourth seven or higher, I don't think there's any way the Niners take this game just because if the Rams can force the Niners to throw the football, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't going to throw the ball worth shit against Jalen Ramsey, Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd, and Aaron Donald. Because even if they have Kittle and Debo, I think Ramsey can, you know, handle Kittle for the most part. And Darius Williams is a very underrated corner, in my opinion. Like, I think he's one of the better number twos in the league. Um, I have the Rams winning 24-17. I think I'm going to jump on board with the Rams as well. It's, it's tough because I want to see the Bengals get revenge on the 49ers for the past two Super Bowls that they've played. But when you look at this Rams team, it's they don't have the same type of gaping holes, presumably at quarterback, that the 49ers do, right? It's the same thing I'm going to – I've got to come down to is the Rams have a really good front. I think the run will be so-so. And that's the 49ers strength. But if you're going to, if you're going to do what you should do and make this game in the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo, that's bad. That's bad news, right? The Rams have, like you said, all of this playoff experience, guys who know what it's like to win. They have all of these weapons. They have a good head coach. They have Stafford. They have what they need. And it almost feels like, like you mentioned the Bucks and the Saints that I wouldn't be surprised to see the 49ers win. Like I said, if Cam Akers is going to, put the ball on the carpet like he's done last week and they're going to have the little mini collapse like they did, the 49ers will probably win the game. 
but it just seems like this Rams team also is a team. All the chips are on the table now for the home playoff date for the home Super Bowl date. Right. I just feel like Jimmy Garoppolo. I said it from the Cowboys game on. I don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to win any of the games and he's won two. Great. Unbelievable. But you feel like without a quarterback, this team and this offense has a ceiling and the magic is going to run out eventually. And I picked this week, this week to be the week. So you picked 24, 17, you picked the Rams, correct? I picked the Rams 20 to 10. Rich, what's your pick? Um, actually, first we'll say Carve's pick. Carve is taking the Rams for 31 to 27. Um, I'm going to be the lone one here. Uh, I'm going to go 49ers. I think they have proven that they can beat the Rams this season. And they've proven that they can beat the Rams in the past. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, I just looked, hasn't played bad against the Rams this season. He's got about 500 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Um, so for that reason, I am going to go San Francisco 27 to 20. And I was so I, – I, when I wrote down my scores, I had 49ers winning, but I couldn't think of a game and a strategy where against that defense, Jimmy Garoppolo puts up a game in the 20s. You know what I mean? It just – it doesn't seem that way. And when you're playing with guys like experienced guys up front and like a, a lot of good players on that Rams defense, it just, in my own mind, whether it's right or wrong, the 49ers could win this game. They've proven that they can beat the Rams. It just doesn't seem like this offense has what it takes to outscore the Rams, right? When it just comes down to it. No, like my Rams, or sorry, my Niners 17 points. Like I, I think one of those touchdowns comes off defense. Right. I really do. Like, I just don't. We saw it last year where Brady won three road playoff games and then went to the show. But if I were to compare Jimmy Garoppolo to Tom, Tom Brady, well, there is no comparison. So even I, even I if you if you break it down in my mind, like George Kittle makes a freak play, Debo Samuel makes a freak play, those guys both get a touchdown. And then after that, the rest of the team, even if they get a field goal 17, I trust Stafford. And his guy is to get more than 17, right? That's just the way I see it. They said, hey, man, who knows? The 49ers could win, and they've shown that they can win. But it's just, it's tough to see that. But I wouldn't be surprised either way. I don't think you win three-room playoff games with a quarterback. I really don't. Right. Which is fair. But, well, I guess that's why that's why they play the games. That's why we'll see, right? Oh, yeah. I can talk all this shit, and then Stafford's going to throw the picks. We know he can throw, and then they're going to get rolled by 20. Yeah, so... I just don't see it happening. All right. You got to, well, we'll do what we did last weekend. I liked it. Put a stake, yeah. which is the better game. I think game one, I think the AFC championship is going to be such a good game. I think both these teams are so high powered and just two amazing teams that we saw in the regular season matched up so well. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go, yeah, Bengals, Chiefs, AFC Championship will be the best game of the weekend. I'd agree with that. I mean, Bengals and Chiefs both deserve to be in their game. I don't think the Niners deserve to be where they are. So, yeah. I'm actually surprised that they didn't, when they announced it, because they announced it before the Bills and Chiefs game was done, but they gave the the Bengals and the winner of that game the three o'clock window. I was surprised by that. You really think on Sunday night football, you'd rather see the Rams and the 49ers than Burrow against Allen or Mahomes, right? Like you, yeah. hey, yeah, I, I, I literally think the sole reason for that is because you, if you give LA the afternoon game, that's at like 11 a.m. in LA. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, fair enough, I guess, right? But just like <laughs> when you see, when you see how they concoct their primetime schedules, it's usually a heavy dose of, Mahomes against another good quarterback, right? Yeah. So I was sitting there, I was like, oh, all right. But hey, man, I'm not going to argue about it. The Bengals have played the early game twice in this playoffs and won two of them. Yep. And I won't have to worry about watching the first game with anxiety in my heart because I'll already know if I'm winning for my opponent or if the season's done, right? So that's how she goes. You guys are in your full whites again, right? Yeah, you bet. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It looks so good. Yes, sir. Rich, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, I can wrap us up here. Uh, thanks, as always, 
for listening to the booth podcast. Thank you to Carter for coming on, filling in here and, and giving us his insight. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, as always, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the booth EC. Go check out the merch store. Lots of new items. Carter's repping some gear right now. So good to see that. Um, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff really helps out, helps in any way you can get this out here. We appreciate it. As always, I've been Rich, he's been Dave, and he's been Carter. We will see you next time to talk about who's going to the Super Bowl on the Booth Podcast.